Welcome to By the People for the Podcast, produced by the American Civil Liberties Union of New Hampshire. Before we get started, we want to underscore how much we hope everyone is safe and healthy and that you're in touch with your families as we go through this unprecedented time together. It's been a while since our last episode, and this one might sound a little bit different as we are coming to you from inside our own homes and through the wonderful world of Zoom. We want to give you an update today on the many civil rights challenges that we are confronting as a result of this pandemic. Issues like voting rights, immigration, and the criminal legal system. You will hear from a number of our staff about the efforts that we've undertaken in recent weeks and that we will continue to take as we endure this pandemic together. So starting up, here's Devin Chafee, our executive director. Hi, everyone. I'm Devin Chafee, the executive director of the ACLU of New Hampshire. I hope that you and your loved ones are safe and healthy and hopefully at home. And I know that for many of you, this is an incredibly difficult time. I mean, this is week six since the governor declared a state of emergency in New Hampshire. And I know for me, with twin five-year-olds at home, it certainly feels like a lot longer than six weeks. And during a relatively short period of time, In an effort to save lives, the state and federal governments have imposed very aggressive measures almost never utilized outside of wartime. And I want you to know that at the ACLU, we have been closely monitoring the steps being taken. We need to make sure that any measures that are taken are based on scientific fact and public health and not on politics or power grabbing. We need to make sure that any limitations placed on our liberty have an adequate medical justification We need to make sure that these restrictions are not more restrictive of personal liberty than they need to be to serve the public health imperative at hand. At times like these, we often see xenophobia and racism trump science and medicine, so we must be vigilant. And so when we are analyzing steps such as stay-at-home orders or limits on gatherings, we need to constantly be looking at the most up-to-date science. Judicial oversight is also critical here, which is why ensuring that the courts maintain basic functions is so important. We know that New Hampshire's courts have taken many steps to minimize risks while continuing essential functions, and this is critical. It's also important to look at how restrictions are being enforced. Are people being stopped in their cars or visited in their homes? Are such stops or visits resulting in law enforcement investigations or adverse immigration consequences? Are such stops or visits being done in an arbitrary or discriminatory way or focused only in communities of color? Because we very much need to remember that COVID-19 is not an equal opportunity virus. Certain communities are bearing the brunt of this virus. We know that communities of color are disproportionately represented in those contracting and dying of COVID-19. And we know about the broader impact Whether we're talking about food insecurity for those who have lost employment and aren't able to work from home, lack of education access for those without technology or who are experiencing language barriers, and extreme instability for those not able to benefit from government assistance due to immigration status. We at the ACLU of New Hampshire have been focused on the most vulnerable populations in our state. Specifically, we've been focused on immigrants' rights, the rights of vulnerable folks in our jails and prisons, and the need to ensure that all eligible voters will be able to access the ballot in September and November. And I'm very much looking forward to us hearing from others on our team about the critical work that we are doing in these areas.
Hi everyone, I'm Gilles Bissonnette and I'm the legal director at the ACLU of New Hampshire. Just last week, we filed a class action federal lawsuit seeking the release of all detainees held by Immigration and Customs Enforcement, also known as ICE, at Stratford County Department of Corrections in Dover, New Hampshire. For more than a month, we've been advocating uh, for this release through online petitions and campaigns. Stratford County is in northern New England, and it's the only ICE detention facility outside of Boston, so a lot of people are moved through it. It has about 60 immigration detainees right now. Public health experts have warned time and again that not releasing people in jails, prisons, and detention facilities endangers the lives of everyone in the facility, including staff in the broader community. Here, the failure by ICE to release detainees in Dover puts detainees, staff, and the broader community at grave risk of death or serious injury. The virus we know is already spreading throughout correctional facilities across the country with devastating consequences. So we are going to continue to demand immediate action to stem this outbreak and save lives. What are the conditions at the Stratford County Department of Corrections in Dover that demand release for these inmates? They include the following bunk beds that are placed only two to three feet apart. Detainees share sinks, toilets, counters, and showers. Food service is communal with many people eating at the same table. Because of these conditions, the immigrants at, the, at this facility are at a heightened risk of exposure. They need to be released now. Not only is their detention inhumane, but it also violates the Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution. We're gonna keep this fight going in New Hampshire. Jess has been filing these lawsuits nationally. Stay tuned. Hi everyone, my name is Joseph and I'm the Smart Justice Organizer at the ACLU of New Hampshire. When it comes to jails and prison in our state, we're watching very closely and we're doing everything we can to urge officials to take steps and prevent an outbreak in our correctional facilities. It's been proven time and time again in data and health experts have repeatedly warned during this COVID-19 crisis that jails and prisons are tinderboxes for an infectious outbreak. We can also see from Rikers Island that the Department of Corrections has stated that they're dealing with 364 confirmed cases among their inmate population, and already two people have died as of April 16th. More than 700 people have tested positive for the coronavirus on Rikers, including over 440 staff members. This is a problem, and there is no way that we can protect the inmate population from a spread. Why does this happen? And this, this is happening because prisons and jails do not allow people to socially distance themselves, as is recommended by the CDC and other health sectors. The people in prisons and jails are packed into small quarters. They eat together. They sleep together. They bathe together. And they have little to no access to the proper sanitizing equipment. And they're not issued protective personal equipment due to security concerns. This is why we have to act before an outbreak occurs in New Hampshire. And it's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when it's going to happen. The ACLU and our local partners have been encouraging high-ranking elected officials in our state government and the leaderships at correctional facilities to take a few preventative steps. First, we've asked them to create public response plans that detail how they will prepare, screen for, test, and treat the virus. But more importantly, we're calling on them to decrease their populations, 
This means that we need to release the most vulnerable and elderly people to home confinement or another form of monitoring where possible for not only health and safety concerns of the individual, but for the public also at large. We understand that not everyone is going to qualify, but there are many that will and we must and they must be released in order to mitigate the spread of this virus. We don't have the death penalty here in New Hampshire anymore and no jail or prison stay should be a death sentence. And we are going to fight to make sure that this does not happen. Hi, everyone. I'm Henry Klementowicz, a staff attorney at the ACLU of New Hampshire. One of the things I've spent my career thinking about is voting rights. And across the country, states are grappling with what elections might look like in the face of COVID-19. And we saw this recently with the primary election in Wisconsin. So many of the voting places in the state have been closed that were usually open. There were hours-long lines that people were standing in while attempting to practice social distancing. And some people didn't even know where their voting location was because their usual one had been closed. And this is a really good example of why states need to think about how our election laws need to change in the face of this pandemic, because requiring in-person voting can lead to widespread disenfranchisement and risks to public health. ACLU affiliates across the country are working to ensure that people do not have to choose between exercising their constitutional right to vote and their health. So that's why here in New Hampshire, we welcomed written guidance from the Secretary of State and Attorney General that makes clear that all eligible voters in the state will be allowed to vote by absentee ballot in the September primary and November general elections this year as a result of the pandemic. Specifically, the guidance says, quote, any voter may request an absentee ballot for the September 2020 primary and November 2020 general elections based on concerns regarding COVID-19, end of quote. So that's really important to ensuring that Granite Staters can vote without fear to their health, the health of their communities, or that our elections truly represent everyone. The Secretary of State has also said that eligible Granite Staters will be able to register through the mail this year instead of only in person. So we'll continue to work with stakeholders to make sure that our elections are held safely and in a way that's fair to everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hey everyone, my name is Emily Kilheny and I am the field director at the ACLU of New Hampshire. It's a pleasure to, to speak with you all today. Um, I hope you all are staying safe and staying healthy and your loved ones are doing the same. Um, this thing is, uh, it's really upended our lives in, in a lot of different ways that we couldn't have expected. Um, we're all finding, you know, a new normal right now. And we have to figure out um, how to continue to defend our country's values, our most vulnerable populations, um, because that work can't stop. You know, it hasn't stopped. It isn't going to stop because it, it can't right now. So we've had a lot of supporters reach out to us and ask, you know, what can they do to advance civil rights right now um, from, from the comfort of their couch? What can they do to continue to push this work forward? And our teams thought about that a lot. 
Um, we've asked our volunteer leaders, we've asked our community partners, like, what does it look like to advocate right now? What does it look like to take action? Um, so much of our traditional organizing work has meant being there, like showing up in the community. That's been fundamental to the work that we've been doing thus far. Um, so what does it mean to, to show up digitally, to turn this work online? Um, and if you subscribe to our weekly emails, if you follow us on social media, uh, if you've chatted with any of us recently, you know that we're trying different things to sort of see what works right now in this these unprecedented times. So we're hosting online trainings on a really regular basis. Um, we're doing pronoun usage trainings. Uh, we're doing advocacy academies, you know, organizing 101, learning how to take action in really fundamental ways. Uh, we're doing trainings on how to directly engage candidates for governor and how to do that over the internet. So every week you're going to find something on the calendar that pushes this work forward. And all of those events are on our Facebook page, which you can get to from our website, aclu-nh.org. So if you want to get involved right now, check that out. Or reach out to us directly. Um, you can reach out to, you can find our contact information on the website, or you can sign up to volunteer directly on that site. And I want to take a second to talk specifically about our ACLU Voter 2020 campaign, uh, which we launched just before all of this happened. Um, so some of the folks may listening, listening may know the ACLU Voter 2020 campaign is an effort we've launched to uplift civil rights issues in this upcoming gubernatorial election uh, and to educate voters, you know, where candidates stand on civil rights issues like criminal justice reform, um, LGBTQ plus rights, privacy, immigrant rights, uh, racial justice, and voting rights issues that feel, you know, more important now than ever before. And since we're in the midst of this pandemic, we've, we've really had to reevaluate what that looks like. We planned for ACLU voters to show up in person at candidate events um, and ask those candidates on the record questions about these civil rights issues. But we know, you know, that in-person engagement is, it's not possible anymore in the current world we're living in. But we know we want to continue this work, um, so we had to adapt. So in-person direct candidate engagements aren't possible anymore, but what is possible is engaging candidates online. So ACLU voters have shifted their focus um, to ask these candidates the same questions, but in online settings. And our team is planning to still engage voters on these issues. So we're planning a series of online educational events um, to dive a little bit deeper into these, these civil rights issues and to continue to have voters thinking about them and engaging them on those issues. Uh, we've been at this for a while now, several weeks and counting. Uh, and we've learned that supporters, like every single one of you listening today, can participate in this work uh, remotely, um, however, wherever works for you. So if you're able, if you're interested, uh, we really need your help. So if you want to be a volunteer in this campaign, uh, visit the campaign website. It's aclunhvoter.org. Uh, check out how the candidates have responded to our survey and, and some of the policies that they've committed to. Uh, and take action with us. There's a big take action button right at the top-hand corner of the site. Click that. We'll be in touch with you. Um, and we're really excited to work with you to figure out how we can take action together to continue to advance um, civil rights in, in, again, a time where it, it's particularly needed. 
Um, it's important for everyone to remember that the election is still happening this year. It's fast approaching um, in a time where everything feels like it's on pause. It's still coming. I mean, it's more important than ever that voters know where candidates for governor stand on these issues. Um, so that's that's all for me. Um, so from our team to you, stay well, stay healthy, um, and, and let's get through this together. Hi, everyone. This is Jeannie Haruska again. You'll, you might notice that the one thing that hasn't been mentioned yet is legislation, really of any kind. And that's because the New Hampshire legislature has been suspended for several weeks now with no real start date that we know of. Um, we all hope that the legislature will reconvene in the next few weeks or at least the next few months uh, and be able to pass some of the critical legislation that has been moving forward this session. But all of that is up in the air right now. I do want to take a note, a minute to talk privacy, which has really come to the forefront during this pandemic with conversations about contact tracing and surveillance that have been undertaken in other countries. These steps may be important and may be necessary to respond to this virus, but we cannot lose track of our right to privacy. Too many crises before have seen privacy rights evaporated without any return to privacy when the crises are over. History teaches us that our government is most prone to committing abuses in times of crises, and we must ensure that broad government powers are not misused beyond legitimate needs. As our federal and state governments take the necessary steps to ensure public health, they must also safeguard people's due process and equal protection rights and our right to privacy. We are at the forefront of conversations right now about contact tracing in New Hampshire to make sure that any such surveillance systems respect our right to privacy and have sunsets in them, that these are not measures that get put in place and left there for years to come. Measures that we undertake because of the pandemic must cease at the end of this pandemic. So rest assured that we will remain vigilant in protecting your right to privacy during this time. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our episode of By the People for the Podcast. We hope you stay safe and stay together during this important time. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.